Hello, good people of Europe. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Dave. We are discussing best practices to stay sane in today's crazy world. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Um, hopefully you will get some nuggets of value out of this one. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Today, I've got Dave from Ireland with me. Hey, Dave. Hey, Alvar. How are you doing? I was actually very well. Just did a very uh, awesome hike. We just spoke about it earlier. How about yourself? You had a good Sunday so far? Yeah, great. Um, just doing a few odd jobs around the house and uh, mostly just excited and looking forward to the podcast today. Good stuff. Absolutely. Me too. So just a quick intro and actually how we ended up meeting and getting this um, interview arranged. So during one of the Irish online events, I saw Dave giving a presentation on mental health, personal finance, and the relation between those two and his own journey with that. Um, I just got really inspired by that because the bits he covered, I found it offered a lot of value and just not covered enough in the FI world. We're all talking about very technical uh, strategies and how can I invest more in ETFs, etc., which is all good and nice. But in the end, what's the point of that if you cannot stick to the journey and not stay happy and motivated? So that's why I thought it would be really awesome to get Dave onto the show. But just to maybe get started with that, Dave, could you just give the audience a quick overview of yourself? How did you get in touch with FI? Yeah, my name's Dave G. And um, obviously, I live in the Republic of Ireland, as you said. I'm originally from the UK. And I know you've got quite a, quite a large UK audience as well on the podcast. So I'm over here about 14 years now. I'm on the financial uh, freedom journey, as you said, for around four years now. The first two years, I was, you know, didn't know about financial independence. But when I did find out about FIRE, the last, the last two years or 48 months has really been more intense. And, you know, I'm, I'm a newly uh, FIRE and life coach. I'm currently a PAYE. That's a, an employed worker in sales management as my day job. Um, I'm a property landlord currently, and I'm also an investor and financial independence enthusiast on a personal level, which I probably should have said first, is I'm a father and a husband as well. Good call. <laughs> no, in the end, <laughs> what's the point of all of this if we cannot share it with family and you know build build a good life around that? But maybe just to get started first on kind of like you know your own fire journey. So obviously you've discovered it roughly four years ago. You mentioned you're a property investor too. Is that your main way of getting to fire, or is it also ETFs? Yeah. So in terms of my own FI journey, the strategy for me is is property initially. Um, one of the reasons being that in Ireland, it seems to be one of the most favorable ways of achieving financial independence. You know, the tax taxes in Ireland are obviously against us um, compared to some other European countries. Um, and also, uh, property allows you to cash flow straight away. I do have an ETF and stock portfolio in a brokerage called uh, Desiro, but primarily property, residential property, yeah, you know, you, you put down your your 30% deposit and, you know, you, your cash flow should away from that and you've got income. So my strategy to achieve financial independence is a number of properties, uh, rental properties outside of my main residence. And yeah, um, a couple of years of expenses in cash um, would, would be the FI, the FI strategy, really. Gotcha. So what are basically, like how many properties are you aiming at in total? Well, three minimum um, to mitigate risk, I think. 
one way of looking at it is one of the properties would basically cover the tax and the other two would give me a net. And three as a minimum to allow for mitigate risk as well in terms of vacant property. Uh, you know, if you file on one or two properties and, and it's empty or needs repairs or any of those things, then you, you're not as diversified by having, by having three plus and obviously the main house as well, uh, mortgage-free. Um, and the idea would be that once enough assets have been built up in property, that they could be, then the mortgages could be overpaid to increase the equity and reduce the, the amount of mortgage on the property to a level uh, where it's either paid off in full or almost paid off that it mirrors up with the FI number. Gotcha. So let's say you get this done. How does this tie in with your uh, future FI plans? So along the lines, are you planning to stay in Ireland or are you planning to go overseas? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that, and actually I found this from listening to the, the FI Europe podcast about geo-arbitrage. You know, I have been overseas internationally and I've been to places where the, the cost of living is considerably cheaper. If we decided to go abroad in the future, I think it would be a European country because the standard of living is higher, um, somewhere with a good health system, such as Spain or Portugal, um, possibly a more attractive uh, tax system, you know, as opposed to maybe other places um, such as Thailand or Brazil or, you know, uh, even uh, places where with good taxation systems that are cheaper. So um, it's not a, a definite plan at the moment to move abroad in the future, but it's something that we have experienced. Um, you know, if you needed, let's say, €30,000 to, f- to fire, that was your FI number, uh, and you went to another European country, you might find that the cost of living is 20 or 30% cheaper. So actually, you need X amount. So yeah, we, we have explored that. Um, the climate in Ireland is not the best. You know, I'm sat here in a jumper at the moment um, with the heating on. So there's, there's different factors as well. But certainly uh, in the accumulation phase and the current lifestyle that we have, we, we have intention to remain here. Fair enough. And maybe it's also at the same time the fact that you uh, base your five plan on uh, Ireland cost of living. It means you're flexible in the future. If you ever would want to go to a lower cost of living country, potentially with higher quality five, you could always still do that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, it gives you the flexibility. And I think one of the fire plans I see from people is to try to fire in one of the highest taxation areas or highest cost of living, and then you're flexible to move. However, we, I have my son who is now 14 months old, and I've got to think about my, his plan has to fit into with my plan as well. So my plan has to incorporate uh, his education and where he grows up and what opportunities he has as well. So it's a holistic approach, you know. But I think getting, getting to FI really opens opportunities and we can buy back that time and we can explore the possibilities of uh, locations and uh, things that we want to do with life, you know, and get involved in. Okay, nice. And I also think this nicely ties in with uh, the main topic of the episode, the mental bits around getting to fight financial stress and also just in general, keeping your mental health as good as possible. Because one thing I've, you know, if you go on any of the Reddit threads, the main thing people struggle with is being in debt, having um, a lack of income or just getting almost desperate to like, oh, I see these people earning 200K. How can I ever get this done? I think it's good to, you know, counter that up and have a chat on that. One because so if you know for many people they go through stress and have financial stress what would you say kind of like are the biggest worries or financial worries people go over in their fire journey and also in life in general you know great question alva and i think that people my experience so far with the fire community has been that there's a big emphasis on the math 
how to get started, what you need to do, investment vehicles, and all those great things. And there's a wealth of information out there. But you know, I think to answer your question, uh, which which is topic right now, especially in Ireland and Europe, is mental health and financial stress. Um, obvious points are a lack of financial education and literacy makes it difficult to understand money and how it works. As Robert Kiyosaki, for anyone who's followed him, Rich Dad Poor Dad would often talk about, you know, there's no financial education in school. You know, you do physical education, you do math and you do this and that, but there's no financial education. So, you know, if you lack financial education or you've not, you've not got financial literacy, then you, by definition, are going to have uh, financial stress because you, you probably don't fully understand how the economics of money works and balancing the, the cash flow and income and taxations. And so I think that's the first point. I think the second is, as you said, there's an element of looking to people who have the 200,000 gross salary and you know, thinking that this will make you happy. And I think a lot of people, um, people I've, what we'll see, see around me would uh, often get into bad debt and experience in relation to financial stress, kind of a feeling of drowning and falling behind in life. Um, and getting into credit card debt and getting into loans and all those kinds of things. And what you do hear about a lot is uh, living up to or beyond your means and lifestyle inflation, uh, which is often a trigger for this. And I think that the idea of, you know, go to Robert Kiyosaki, I quote him, he talks about get a good job and, you know, uh, get a good education and get a good uh, car and finance and a bigger house. And you essentially uh, can end up in, in the rat race, as they call it. I think going further there, um, having one only one source of income and a fear, um, and fear is a financial stress uh, of job loss or, or being treated badly in the workplace or unable to leave a toxic situation uh, is another example of, of, of leading to financial stress. A um, couple more points there, just on that topic from my perspective. I think uh, self-sabotaging behaviors, such as I spoke about overspending or living paycheck to paycheck and not having money readily available in, in the event of an emergency. Um, uh, could lead to financial stress. And I think um, from a mental health perspective, you know, feeling a lack of control of money or buying stuff, as I said, to feel happy and then figuring out later that, hang on, it didn't really make me happy and I'm just buying stuff and storing it in my house or, or my garden or wherever. And, and yeah, that, that inability to deflate the lifestyle and that feeling of keeping up with the Joneses. A feeling of, you know, for me particularly, you know, I... I I would have often looked at the situation around me and, and said, well, okay, I've got to now work for the next, let's say, 30 years. You know, you're getting up, you're going to work. And if you're not getting up with a plan, a goal, a higher purpose, um, and a reason, and know why you're getting up every day, you're kind of just drifting around and existing. And I think finally, as a final example, um, the inability to make payments, uh, such as mortgages, rents, fix cars if they break down, pay for child education and health, all of, and the list just goes on. I think all of those couple of bullet points there could easily lead and do to financial stress. Okay, well, and I also think many people might not even be aware what kind of stress money can cause them. If I speak for myself, one thing I found really interesting, you mentioned self-sabotage. Now, if I look at myself, I've had times where I didn't spend enough to basically get the quality of life I wanted because I was afraid of spending. Money as itself can also... Um, it is a tool, but it can also work against you. And I find that tricky. And one thing I would like to ask yourself is, um, what kind of questions can I ask myself to understand my situation or just in general, how I deal with money, what my relation with it is better? Because I think many people find it very difficult or 
might not even be aware of, okay, this is actually how I feel about it because they just kind of keep going on and run on the automatic pilot on the treadmill. No, it's, it's a great question. And, and, you know, from a coaching perspective, certainly not a financial advisor, I think that, you know, becoming intentional about every spend is, is critical here, whether it be that someone is overspending or, or underspending. And personally, I look for value in money. So whether I spend a thousand euro or one euro, I want to know, do I get, and did I, am I getting value for my money? You know, and, and putting those, those euros, the army of euros to work. I think if something optimizes your life, speeds up how fast you can get a task done or saves you time, like having a laptop that takes five minutes to boot up every day, um, well, is it better to invest in a new one and remove that pain and stress every day? Or is it better just to suffer through with the existing laptop? And it's saying, I think, you know, there's a concept of, Spend lavishly on things that you value. So if it's experiences, which is proven to have long-term lasting effects of happiness because you're repeatedly recalling that memory as opposed to buying a car and you value experiences, then maybe travel, yearly travel is something that is to be overspent in. And then in terms of cutting back, well, you know, the, the classic one is, is, is the, the, two, the two or three coffees every day uh, with the pastry in the coffee shop. Well, are you really getting value or are you just standing in a queue, losing time and getting this uh, coffee, uh, you know, because, you know, and, and that's really what it is. It's, it's becoming intentional and getting value for your spend um, and then really cutting back in areas that you don't really value. Gotcha. And just from a practical point, how do I do that? Because I think many people, they'll have loads of habits in running around in life and coffee is probably the best example, but is it like just one of those things we just kind of got to start tracking from a day, okay, I do this, this, and this, and track it down, write it down, build an understanding, and then at the point, review it, maybe with your partner to get a feel and understanding of what you're actually doing with your money to know where it's going, or like, how would you propose people approach that one? No, it's a great question. And I think there's, there's, there's a concept as well of frugality, um, and, and it can often get con- confused with uh, being cheap, um, but frugality anyone in the coming into financial independence uh, there's a guy out there called mike rosehart um, i think he was canada's youngest retiree and he obsessively talks about the importance of frugality coming into financial independence you know sitting down tracking the expenses writing down what's coming in what's going out and then looking at them and saying okay well i'm spending x amount on this x amount on that and just do it for a month and then say okay what's my savings right if any Okay, it's 10%, it's 20%, it's 0%. Um, and then looking at what you're spending, when you know what you're spending, you can then start to assign value to them and say, I value this, I don't value that. And then you can make changes. But it's, it's the concept of frugality, which is getting value for money, where you can start to play with that then. And if, if you're not getting value from, from the classic example of the coffee, well, you've now got an objective way of looking at it. And you can say, okay, well, next month, I'm going to buy... I know, a really nice coffee machine because I do like coffee, but I don't value standing and queuing for one every day on my lunch break when I could be going for a walk instead and have my flask with me or whatever it is. So then you, you've armed yourself with the information knowledge to, to, to react to that. And I think tracking expenses is, is a good way to start, of course. In terms of how I got started, as an example, with the FI journey, I was an overspender. 
And by nature, that's exactly what I am. I would have gone and bought the coffee and the sandwich and, and you know, been a spender. So I made a conscious decision a couple of years ago on holiday in Alicante, one morning going down for breakfast. And I said to my wife, I'm handing the finances over to you 100%. You're in control. Um, and we sat down over breakfast and she said, okay, because we've done a million budgets and we've We'd wrote them a thousand times. So I handed the finances over, debit cards, credit cards, online access, debts, everything. And the re- it wasn't just I'm um, handing them over to you. My wife, by nature, is okay with money. She's not a spender. And if I gave her a thousand euro and said, uh, hold that for a year, one year to the day, she would have the thousand euro. So it made sense in our relationship at this point to hand the finances over to her as an intervention. And I carried cash with me, a certain amount of cash. And I, as an emergency, had access to a credit card. And I became intentional about my spend. And what I did in in this process was, by moving to cash initially, I felt the value of money. So when you pay with a 50 euro note or two twenties and a 10, as opposed to tapping the card, you feel that you've paid with 50 euro. And because I was becoming intentional with my spend, and we'd obviously, we'd obviously done the budget and we knew where we needed to cut back, I started to question every spend. So pause and think about it and decide, did I need this you know, or did I want this? And, and, and stop and pause. And what happened was during this process, obviously the savings had grown because my wife was managing the money for a period of time. And I started investing in educating myself, finding out, well, why am I spending on this stuff? You know, and looking, looking at the mindset aspect of this um, and started consuming content. And it was around the same time, not long after this, that I found out about the fire movement. And I um, obsessively began to gain financial literacy and learn about cash flow, making money, saving money. And then I obviously shared with my wife about investing money, which neither of us really had any information about. My strength was to go out, to meet people, to talk, to make the money. My wife was a good money manager. So in any company, uh, if I had a company and I needed a finance manager, my wife would get that job. So it made sense to hand that over initially. Now, obviously, at this, at this point, I've taken back, we both have control of the finances now. Life has changed and developed since then. But at that point, I just needed to make that intervention, and then go and educate myself about financial literacy and start the, and looking at the mindset aspect, start really reprogramming my thinking to build a mindset of wealth and abundance and learn the fire principles. And then started to invest, as I said, in content and the uh, information around me and self-development about how to really move forward from there then as well, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I love how you in the last uh, bit mentioned also abundance because you started out as, well, then a spender, but then if you have to give up complete control of the finances, I can imagine that's not an easy choice and also quite a hard one to make to like, okay, I give up control. I admit hereby that I'm, you know, I cannot do this by myself here. Everything take over, please. I think that's a very difficult and honest choice to make. But it is. And, you know, let's say even as a man, you feel that you, you know, it's a hard thing to do, but anyone who wants to implement change and is struggling with this stuff and has financial stress and, and you know, as you said, the self-sabotaging behavior, you have to become uh, naive, which by definition means teachable and open to change. 
So if you want to develop and have live life on your own terms and get involved in the fire movement, which essentially is a life, lifestyle design, then you have to learn new principles and new ways of managing and dealing. And that's why I see a lot of people, there's, there's very few people who actually fire and actually stick this long-term. Like if you're going to create, if, if you're going to create a budget and, uh, you know, do it for a month, that's fine. But if you're going to stick to that for five years or seven years and be consistent, you're going to need tools that you, uh, you're going to need to arm yourself with tools, you know, to actually do that. And I think that, um, you know, it is a case initially of, of actually sitting down and saying, okay, this is the strength in the relationship, which is my wife at this stage. And, um, you know, hand, hand that control over and I'll take it back at a later date. And, and it worked initially. Honestly, I think that's beautiful. But at the same time, life changes. And, you know, when you mentioned sticking to a budget for five or seven years, I don't know about yourself, but I absolutely don't stick to the, uh, the budget I've set, for example, a year ago. It's constantly in development and changing based on either job, life, or different numbers and situations that kick in. I mean, I think absolutely Corona is one for everybody that's changed their life and you know what we consider our priorities in life massively. And at the same time, it's also quite difficult to stay so flexible because you build your beautiful spreadsheet but suddenly it's basically, I mean, not useless, but you got to be flexible and adapt. And one thing I'm also really noticing in your story and for many on the fire journey is everybody kind of starts out with, you know, you don't know much about finance. You're still a novice if it comes to that. And you've either had bad spending habits or just something you're not happy with and it doesn't fit with the fire principles. You go over this road of, you go very deep, very hard, read everything you can find. But then at some point after, I think for most, it's like three months to six months. You know, you've read everything there is to find. You know all the technical bits. You've got it in order. You know, that's quite doable. But at that point, once you've reached that, you've got to learn how to stick to the journey, how to not fall back into bad spending habits or also to stay motivated and happy with your fire plan and not being miserable, you know, in order to save you know, a buck over here, but actually being happy on the journey because some might disagree with me and think it's better to go to years very hard and earn everything you need. but if you cannot enjoy the fire journey, I would consider the journey itself pointless. You know, even if you happen to get somewhere in two years very quickly, rather do it in seven, eight and do it in a careful, manageable and happy way. But yeah, that's just one I find very tricky. And what I would also like to ask yourself, you know, if you look at, you know, you said you were, you found about the fire journey like four years ago and, you know, you've figured out the bits now, you know, you're on track uh, and you manage money together again. Um, like, how would you consider yourself right now? Do you feel you're in control of everything? And is the reason for you to fire, has it changed? Or is it still the same as you initially started out with? Yeah, thanks, Alva. And I think the, the reasons for getting into the fire initially and the reasons now are pretty much very similar. And the reason is, when I found out about fire, as I said, most people sit down and do a budget, right? And they think about how they're going to save money and invest money and when they're going to fire. But from the mind, mindset aspect, which is where I have a particular um, interest, I went high level. And I remember sitting down with my wife a couple of years ago, one night, and said, if we're going to go on this journey consistently long-term, we need to know what we value. The same way you value you become intentional about your spend. So... I wrote down and she wrote down our value list. And this was 
things that we value that were non-tangible on a high level, such as I value my independence, I value our experiences, I value my time, I value my relationships, I value my health. And I really wrote down those, those non-tangible things in a list, and then we compared them. And it was 98, 99% a match, the two of us. And when I looked at that, those core motivations, you know, what was our DNA motivating principles and values, I knew, okay, what do we need to do to achieve these? Before we put any goals in place or figure out our FI number, I wanted to see what was the monetary value attached to these? Did this require a lot of money? You know, because I knew from the list, I could see that we really didn't need a lot of money to achieve these things. And actually having time and having a certain amount of finances to, to cover expenses and, and provide a cover level was all that was really essentially required here. And then I was able to calculate the fire number based on and, and do a budget. And then we knew what kind of direction we wanted to go in. And what I did here essentially was reverse engineer the process. Um, but if you go onto any company website, they will have a value statement that most people don't read. They just want to know, well, how much money am I getting and what's the package? But, but you know, if you look at the value of the company, their value statement, is it in line with your values? So I really went high level and the same with my wife. So our, our journey is pretty much the same one. We have regular meetings uh, informally and we discuss money. It's not a taboo subject and I encourage other people to get their partner on board if they're not on board and be going in the same direction. But essentially, we know what we value. In, uh, we know what is important to us. So it doesn't matter which, how, how that journey moves and changes. We're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic at the moment and unemployment rates are super high. And a lot of people obviously didn't predict this, but we still know where we want to go. Um, there's a direction we want to go in. So we will just alter the course as we go, essentially. If we go backwards, we go backwards. If we go sideways, and you know, if you look at the self-development tools and you log into YouTube in the morning and look at uh, the stuff that's out there, it, it explains that the path to success is not a straight line. You know, it's, it's not correlated uh, from the bottom to the top. It, it does fluctuate and move. So our course of direction is pretty much the same, and we review that. Um, but how we get there, it, it, it's, it's, it's about being consistent and keeping at it. That's massive. And I also think incredibly relatable for many others that either, you know, are at your point or beyond or uh, completely at the beginning. We all have to, in some ways, or in many ways, it might be slightly different, but we all go through the same choices, the same issues and ask ourselves the same questions. Now, how do I deal with X, Y, Z? Um, become better, stronger at it. And I very much also like how you started with the high-level approach, with the macro approach, and actually building this understanding and getting, getting the big picture bits uh, right first and taking it from there. And that's how it very much came across to me. So I think at this point, you know, we've covered very well how you, from a fire journey perspective, can approach this, um, a few bit, uh, best practices around that, and definitely also for myself, a few new bits to explore and think about because this is it, it stays an ongoing journey and development and um, we still got to stay critical but keep the core strong around that so what i would like to ask for yourself too if it comes to just like in general um mental health best practices I mean, you hear tons of things along the lines of read this book or go and download this app if you look at your own life which things have you found have had the most value if it came in just keeping you 
mentally sane and stable and happy in uh, today's crazy world. Yeah, and as I said previously, I think that having knowing why you're getting up in the morning and getting out and having life, I think there's a couple of things that I incorporated. First thing is that, you know, they say that you are the average of the five people closest to you. You know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you create an environment of people around you who are winners, well, that's setting you up essentially to win. Because, you know, things that people say and do and support levels around you will affect you subconsciously at some point. And coming into the fire movement, you know, I found it to be an amazing community of people, like-minded. I'm here on a Sunday evening doing a podcast with you, Alva, you know, and I've just found that being around, being around winners is, is the first thing. Organizing life to be less stressful and um, implementing the things that high-performance people do. So for the last number of years, I've built a good morning routine. Sometimes I will get up at four o'clock. I'm not suggesting anyone does that. Uh, five or six o'clock, you know, do some exercise for 30 minutes. Um, some people meditate. I don't, but I like to um, consume content. I know that the likes of Warren Buffett will discuss upskilling daily and researching and learning and, you know, sharpening the tool, essentially. Look at motivational information. If you tell your plan to somebody or you discuss something and they tell you why you can't do it, well, then move away from that negativity. I think that uh, daily gratitude is key. So getting up every day and starting to build the abundance mindset with, well, what am I grateful for today? As opposed to what haven't I got? And, you know, I'm grateful for the house I live in. I'm grateful for the job that I have. I'm grateful for, you know, the small things. Once you have the repetition of I am grateful for, it builds that abundance mindset um, and prepares the mind as, as the wealth got, uh, the wealth is accumulated. As I said, I think a positive outlook in life is important. And I think that um, also it's important to forecast the worst case scenarios. So what if X happens? Have conversations around money uh, and finances. Don't make it a taboo subject. And as I said, if you have a partner, align, align your goals together. And start investing and saving money and design your life today and think about what it would be like if you are financially independent and, ret and retired early, as opposed to just trying to get away from something. I think a lot of people are trying to get away from something and that's, that will get you so far on the FI journey. I want to get away from this job or get out of this situation. It's a good catalyst to get going, but really having a long-term plan and direction that you're going in will, will help to sustain the course of life you know and, and and this journey which is what we're on you know love those um just speaking for myself i really love you also mentioning the meditation bit i use an application called calm i think headspace is the more known equivalent but basically just 10 15 minute daily mindfulness meditation kind of sessions go for a walk go lay in bed do some breathing exercises just relax and i'm sure there are more advanced levels you can go this for but I found those extremely effective. And um, yeah, just a morning bit, going for a run, having some relaxing time, uh, even just a walk at 6 a.m. in the morning. And it might not be the way to go for everybody. For others, it might be going to theater or just going, sitting next to a lake and relaxing a bit and listening to the water. It's all fine. But just giving yourself this moment to you know, accept, hey, I'm relaxing a bit, uh, thinking and reviewing and reflecting on life. Love those. And I wish those things would be maybe not necessarily taught in school, but just more in life and um, others being, having the chance to explore them. Because 
no, it's it's not meant to go all spiritually and voodoo like, but no, we all go crazy and we keep running on uh, the treadmill and try to get there as fast as possible. But there's nothing wrong. Sometimes we're just slowing down and especially myself in particular, go sometimes way too fast <laughs> and keeping it a bit slower and thinking before acting never hurts. But yeah, that understanding, uh, yeah, life is designed to not work like that, to make us go faster and uh, not necessarily better, but just going over and over again, rinse and repeat. And going against that, going by doing something different than what the system wants, it's not easy. I mean, we are, maybe rebels is the wrong term, but we're definitely trying something system doesn't entirely or is not entirely designed to do. So I think we can all be extremely proud of that. That we actually you know we're the ones we're generally thinking how can we design our life in the best objective possible way for us and we're we're the ones asking the critical questions which is not easy. No, one hundred percent. And I think that what we're you know the fire the fire movement is a movement and a movement by definition is people trying to get something going you know and I think it originated from what I can gather in the US from a few people sitting around drinking beers thinking well how do we reverse engineer the social norm of being, I don't know, 60, 65 or whatever. And, and essentially, uh, you know, uh, the, our company will look after us in the meantime. Uh, and how do we do this? And they looked at like, you know, high savings rates and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, but in terms of, you know, the current FI lifestyle and all the stuff you've talked about, I mean, the money is, is not, not, not really going to, all it's doing is buying time. I think there's, as you said, there's, there's three currencies here. You know, there's the money, there's the time and the energy. And they're finite. You hear about people talk about there's only 24 hours in the day. And I think that, you know, there's something in my local meetup group that we, we discussed um, a couple of months ago that really, really stuck with me was, was the four pillars of life um, is the health aspect, uh, the wealth aspect, which is the finances, the relationship aspect, uh, friends and family and people you interact with and the fulfillment aspect. And I think it's a case of if any one of those areas is lacking, uh, it affects the others, which is the overall balance in life. And as you said, going for a nice walk, you said at the start of the podcast, you went for a lovely hike this morning um, and the, the enjoyment of all those things. I think that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. And, and specifically for me, uh, creating a good good life uh, for, for my family and for myself as well. So yeah, we're, we're, I'm very focused. I'm super focused at the moment and motivated on this stuff. And I think that, you know, naturally when you get into the the, the health and finances, the the other stuff will naturally improve as well. Love those. Okay. I think, you know, in this way, we've really covered how to basically supercharge uh, your fire journey in terms of mental bits as best as possible. And I really hope for everybody listening, this was a value. It absolutely was for me. And yeah, just basically, Dave, what I wanted to ask, if anybody wants to learn more about you, get in touch, have a chat one-on-one, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, sure, Alva. So I'm currently uh, in the development of my own website, which is www.firedave.com. You can email me uh, on the contact page or even uh, subscribe to the newsletter. And I'm actually offering uh, uh, free 30-minute coaching sessions on life and fire. Um, And there's a calendar at the bottom. So you can find me at firedave.com. Excellent. And we'll obviously post those in the show notes so everybody can easily track them down. And then from there, let's jump over to the last two questions of the interview of today. Um, so 
somebody has read so much, but I'm really curious what you're going to actually recommend on this one. But uh, if you had to recommend one resource that's not well known in terms of fire purposes or you know, even in terms of mental education, what would you recommend people to check out? <laughs> it's a great question. And there's so many episodes, it, it's, it's hard to go uh, beyond what people have already said previously. I could have spent the whole episode talking about my uh, property portfolio and my Digiro portfolio and this, that and the other. But I think, you know, in line with the, the mindset theme that I've, I've maintained for this uh, episode, I'd recommend a guy called Eckhart Tolle, E-C-K-H-A-R-T, space T-O-L-L-E. Um, and there's a book specifically, there's actually an audio book that people could find online. It's called The Power of Now. And the idea is that most people seeking fire or life um, as a lifestyle design may be stuck in the rat race, as we said, uh, and not feeling fulfilled essentially regretting the past or worrying about the future. And the idea of power of now is to become present in the present moment, appreciate what you do have and apply that amazing tool to life. So a bit like a meditation over, I suppose. Excellent. And as we were speaking, I've just added it to my Amazon list. So I will go and check it out. <laughs> uh, by default, reading is one of the most powerful hacks or hacks, things in life you can do. As obviously, if you enjoy it, but books recommended by people like yourself, I found them the best way to find these little nuggets that now, yes, you spend three, four hours reading the book or you just listen to the audio book, but the value you get out of those is just tremendous. Spending time on reading is never a waste of time. No, 100%. You have to keep growing and developing as part of the self-development as much as we can, you know. Um, and I got a lot out from your, from your podcast, um, I would have. I would have listened to most of the episodes as I'm walking around uh, with the headphones in. So, yeah, we're all sharing what we can, you know. Absolutely. And that's, that's the whole point. Once you start sharing, hopefully it also helps your own understanding more and more. So then the very last question we're going for, if you had to give anybody like the number one actionable tip you've got for somebody either who was already on the battlefield or just get started, what would it be? And obviously in the topic of today's episode, mental health, welcome to also change it up a bit. All right, Alva. Well, look, um, I, think, I think most people would say start tracking expenses. I think you hear that a lot. I try to keep this episode away from the math and the investment strategies and all that stuff, as you know. So my, my one actionable tip would be to start with to figure out what, what your path is. There's many paths on the, F, the FY, the fire journey. So go high level, as that's what I did basically, and write down your core value list. You know, non-tangible things such as independence, time, health, travel, experiences. Figure out what really motivates you on a core level and then figure out how much money you need to get that and then re reverse engineer it. And you'll, then you won't need to know what your FI number is. It, it will be obvious to you. And then just day to day move in that direction and, you know, look at all the tools that, that we have around us. That would be my one actionable tip. And it would probably take about five minutes with a piece of paper and a pen. Excellent. Best time ever spent in your life, I would say. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming onto the show. I definitely found this a, a very pleasant and good conversation. Yeah. And have an amazing Sunday yourself. Thanks, Alva. appreciate it. Have a great day. Hey Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? 
Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Five Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.